1: Episode eight of the instruction booklet, because last time I got the episode number wrong. Uh, Welcome to the Instruction Book Awards show. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy, and I'm joined by my co-host, a man who believes that the best way to get gains is through eating as much Velveeta cheese as possible. And that's Mike. Have you have you looked? So the sodium. So I'm going to stop doing this.
2: (laughs) But have you looked at the macros, especially on two percent Velveeta? No. A one-pound block of 2% Velveeta cheese has 160 grams of protein.
1: That's a lot of protein.
2: It's a solid amount of protein. Now, granted, it's got 1,920 calories, right? So, you know, it's like a yeah. lot of calories. But, I mean, you know, it, if you're bulking, right? I mean, oh well, the sodium's bad. It's like, what? It's like 14,000 milligrams of sodium. Don't do it. But, yeah. but, if you know, but if you're into protein... It's a surprising amount. I mean, if you look at the ingredients, it's actually just a lot of milk protein. That's why it's cheese product instead of cheese. But, you know, the,
1: the amount of detail that you went into to discover this, this fact is astonishing still to me. <laughs>
2: well, you know, like I've been I've been getting very serious about weightlifting the past year and I'm trying to. Um, find entertaining ways to make food that I don't hate that has, you know, solid macros and I was just, I was trying to make a low effort mac and cheese and I happened to look at the nutrition facts on a block of Elvita and the rest is history as they say.
1: We're going to have some listener that like is actually doing like weight gain or like, like weight lifting and they're going to like chime in on this and just blast you. Yeah,
2: I mean just, you know, the sodium is just dangerously high. I mean, I
1: think that's the only
2: real uh,
1: <laughs> yeah caveat. Just, just make sure you drink lots and lots of water to dilute yeah. all the amounts of sodium that are in there yeah. and don't do it very often <laughs> and maybe
2: don't salt maybe don't salt the pasta water if you're going to use it for mac and cheese but <laughs> That'd be i great. digress
1: yeah well we've made it to the end of the year for our obligatory award show now so yeah very uh, exciting we have um we have a very pretty healthy list of uh awards um the best awards like These awards are are way more important than anything that happened at the Game Awards.
2: Yeah. And we're actually here to, uh, you know, honor and acknowledge uh, video games, unlike the Game Awards, which uh, is more just about announcing new things, apparently.
1: Yeah, man, (laughs) it's so funny that, like, because, like, what, last year was the, the dude that got on the stage at the very end and, like, thanked Bill Clinton or whatever. Yeah. And then this year it was just, like, people going, like miles a minute trying to say their piece but not getting enough time to do it
2: right and then Kojima gets 10 minutes to talk about OD I say this as somebody who loves Hideo Kojima but like you know
1: I mean it's pretty obvious on this on this show that we we enjoy Kojima and stuff that he's done but I yeah Kojima gets like a full stage like entrance and conversation about a game that we literally know nothing about <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was pretty rough to see. There's some theory, actually, that, that it's going to be basically the Silent Hill game that he never got to make.
1: I was, I always thought it was just going to be like a Death Stranding 2 trailer at first. Yeah, well, we already got that, so. Yeah, so. Uh, anyway, so I guess how we'll break the show down is uh, we're going to do our awards in, like, small chunks, so you guys don't just get, like, overrun with, uh, I believe we have 22 awards that we're giving out. Well, 20... 20- one award and one lifetime achievement award (laughs) that we're going to be doing tonight or tomorrow or whenever you're listening to this episode, but we're going to break it up and we're going to be talking about good things like things that we enjoyed this year, like news and gaming, some of our favorite TV shows and movies, maybe some of our favorite books. Uh, Obviously we have to have an memory of section because uh, we had some interesting stuff happen this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, 2023 was an interesting year for games. Like, you know I think you said it yesterday when we were going over all of it a lot of highs a lot of lows yeah I mean
2: I I don't think I've ever seen IGN give so many tens and so many sub like threes on their reviews this year which is pretty amazing yeah
1: you're either a really banger of a game or you were just trash yeah um uh, also some of our awards were submitted by folks on Facebook and we'll definitely give acknowledgments to those people uh, as we go along um uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess we could start off with our very first award, and that would be the Damn That Drip Award. Uh, this award uh, was submitted to us by uh, Postman Frank, uh, and this award goes to, like, a character or a person in video games who just has really nice clothing and, like, looks sharp. So, uh, but uh, Michael, I'll let you start off. Who who was your pick for the Damn That Drip Award this year?
2: Yeah. This might be a controversial opinion, um, but my my pick uh, for the best drip in a video game of 2023 gotta be Lord Enver Gortash from Baldur's Gate 3. Um, If you guys have not, if you're listening to this and you somehow are like living under a rock and you haven't been hearing about Baldur's Gate 3 um, and you don't know what Lord Enver Gortash looks like, Google him right now. I encourage you. Uh, Somebody said to me, this man looks like like a middle-aged man cosplaying as like a Final Fantasy villain. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you showed me the picture. Yeah, it's the hair. It's the hair. Um, But, I mean, his outfit is just absolutely incredible.
1: Um, I mean, that jacket is like amazing. The jacket's amazing. Like Um, I I would wear that jacket. Yeah, I, I when I'm when I'm his age, I don't know how old he is,
2: forties, fifties. I mean, like he's a you know he's clearly in some sort of midlife crisis. <laughs> um, but I hope I look that good when I I'm, mean, when I'm Lord Enver Gortash's age.
1: He's he's stuck in you know the world of Baldur's Gate. I mean, right. I'm he's sure. the Uncle
2: Rico of of the Forgotten Realms.
1: Yeah, he's a uh, he's, he's had it rough. So, um, well, for my pick, I went with Manon from Street Fighter Six because. Yep her alternate outfit from the base game is amazing oh yeah
2: i use her outfit too when i play her um, um, the one with like the, the silver coloring
1: it was so amazing that uh kenny omega dressed up as her for one of his entrances on an episode of collision
2: that's amazing like
1: even did the the hand motion that she does in her victory pose like it was awesome like i, I don't know there's a lot about street fighter 6 just in terms of you know outfits or whatever uh so jp uh, JP could have made it on here too you know his outfits are really good uh hang on i'm getting a text message from oh it appears to be our editor who is somehow listening to us and he said uh zangief's classic trunks look those long boys should never be the default have you seen that man's thighs
2: (laughs) yeah that's fair I think the longer pants, you know, they they were going with, like, a little bit more of a wrestling, you know, like, WWE-style look for Zangief, but I well, definitely agree.
1: Even his moveset in the game, he is, like, he's more of a wrestler now, which, as a, as the character, I I, I know, like, such, such a weird amount of knowledge about just Zangief because of, like, you know, here's a character who started off as explicitly cold war russian man yeah (laughs) and i appreciate how capcom has like adapted him for the times and made him they've still you know he still has the russian identity but like they very much drop all of the soviet stuff with him as like as the years have gone on like I think his story in street fighter four is where he, he winds up meeting rainbow Mika and becoming like friends with her. And that's how he gets inter- interested into wrestling. And he like wrestles bears. <clears throat> and then, you know, his storyline in street fighter six is, uh, Marissa wants to marry him. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> which I find hilarious. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, are some good drip options. Yeah. yeah, um, I agree. So our next award is the, uh, I do it for the memes award. Uh, this was submitted to us by uh, Drake, uh, not the artist. We're not that famous. Uh, and this award, it goes to the game that has the most memes surrounding it or hilarious stuff that you find on the internet. And uh, uh, my pick for it was uh, the new sleeper hit and seen all over Twitch, which is Lethal Company. Which <laughs> yeah. we've all been playing lately. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The, the game is hilarious. To, like it's, it's for a game that tries to be scary, which it, it, it does. It achieves like some good scary moments. It is way funnier to play than it is to like, for like the scare factor of it.
2: Yeah, it's definitely one of those, like make your own fun games. Uh, like I compared it to Sea of Thieves when I was trying to tell one of my friends to play it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, you 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 come for the premise but i think you stay for the just like the shenanigans that you get up to with friends like dropping ladders on them and
1: i was you know i was thinking about this game the other day because i was thinking about uh roguelites and mm-hmm. how like uh some of the design of and how roguelike philosophies and designs have like gotten so much more prominent in games like within the last, uh, I'd probably say 10 years, maybe I need to look into it more. But like because like, you know, Lethal Company does like the procedural generation. And like when you die or like when you fail to meet quota, you have to start all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. So I, always, I thought that was kind of interesting. So uh, for you, what would your game be to receive the I do it for the memes award?
2: Um, for me, it's probably Tears of the Kingdom mm-hmm. um, simply because I i could not go anywhere on the internet without seeing like crucified koroks and and you know like the little dudes just like being tortured and all of the ingenious ways that people could think of using trap uh contraptions yeah i mean just like the sheer amount of content that i saw uh you know regarding tears of the kingdom and all of like the just the insane contraptions that people were building it was uh just very funny I mean, uh, for about a couple of weeks.
1: There's an entire subreddit called Hyrule Engineering. Yeah, it's just I people it. building the most absurd contraptions or the most like, b- like bizarre doesn't work contraptions. Yeah,
2: that's that's what I like, right? I'm not here to min, max or optimize. Give me the dumbest, you know, things that you can build using the game.
1: Yeah. Like, how does this thing work? Oh, it's not supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. People made some really crazy things with that game. Like the fact that Nintendo decided to build like an entire sandbox game just out of nowhere, like, right, is insane.
2: They took Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts and they slapped it onto Breath of the Wild.
1: <laughs> this, they saw but, nuts and bolts and went, We can do that, but better. <laughs> yep, yeah, basically. This is what you get, rare, for leaving Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right so our next award goes to the most useless video game item uh, and this was submitted to us by one of the people on our discord uh, big rich uh, so thanks for that uh, so Michael what's your what's your choice for most useless video game item
2: yeah so I, I've got a pick here that um, actually uh, r- repeats kind of your your pick for the last one I, I have an item from lethal company mm-hmm. um and it is an item that I used one time, and I swore to never use again. After you bought it for us when it was on sale, yeah. Uh, and that is the, and that is the lockpicker. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, for those of you listening, uh, if you if you know how Lethal Company works, if you don't, basically you're you're going into these defunct facilities to try and collect scrap to meet quota, so you don't get fired, which is basically killed in this uh, you know weird science fiction horror universe. Mm-hmm um when you go into these facilities sometimes the doors are locked typically speaking you need a key to open these doors and in our experience i mean maybe you can talk to this i feel like we find keys all the time and we end up with like four or five keys just sitting in like our cabinet not being used
1: oh yeah 100 like like the game just like shits keys yeah the game throws keys at you um And they're very light. And when
2: you use them, they get consumed. They disappear from your inventory. Uh, So you could do that in, in a game where inventory management is very important for trying to get as many valuable items and pieces of scrap back from the facilities to your ship as possible in order to meet quota. Or you can spend money. Hear me out. You can spend money to buy a heavy piece of machinery that you can carry from the ship into the facility. It takes up one of your inventory slots. You can put it on a door to unlock the door without needing a key and it's reusable but hear me out It takes 30 seconds to open the door versus a key, which is instant. You have to sit there like you're playing Payday 2 and watch like a drill opening a vault while this lock picker takes 30 whole seconds to open a door and then, and then you have to pick up the lock picker and either bring it back to the ship, wasting a trip to the ship and taking up an item spot, or you can continue to loot the facility now just understanding that 25 percent of your inventory has been taken up by the fact that you decided to bring a lock picker with you instead of one of the many keys that you would have found just lying around you're, it sucks you're, you're so passionate about this thing yeah it's i'm just adamant that you should like the lock picker as is never buy
1: yeah it was like it's like hundred and something twenty of like the yeah, credits I, but like we wiki. got it on sale for like four
2: yeah the wiki says it's 20 credits
1: even then i think it's overpriced right yeah it's, it's just it's just like super super useless
2: yeah, yeah. just and, just, and just, and the just game has a lot of useless items already i just think the lock picker you should never buy it
1: <laughs> the game also has a lot of annoying items too yeah goddamn air horns i oh love God. the air horns it's so awful yeah. um well, before my pick, I, I got uh, a text from the editor. He says just Haslam. Uh I have Pause no in. idea. I have no idea who that is. So <laughs> it is a Baldur's game. I, I, I just don't understand this one. So
2: sorry to, to the editor. I don't like it, but a useless item. He's an NPC. He's a druid. He's great. He's a good he turns into a bear.
1: I mean, I thought el- elbow dropping owlbears was like the way to go in that game. I've not played yeah. Baldur's Gate 3, so. H-
2: H- Hallzin is the uh the infamous uh romance, the bear romance uh um... cutscene. He he's the druid that turns into a bear and then fucks you if you romance him.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, just <laughs> fucking yep. a bear in a game yep. is Wow. I, yeah, uh, we're, so. we're gonna have to throw a content warning up on this episode. Uh, yep. uh, so my pick for most useless item in the game is the uh, so is the OS manual aiming chip in, from Armored Core Six. So for folks that don't know, uh, Armored Core Six is from Soft's latest entry in the, the franchise that made that they made long before they ever got into Souls. Um, and. Your giant mech can get chips to modify your mech and make it better, so like you can get stuff that allows you to like quick turn or do like a boost that allows you to kick another mech, which is awesome. But then they give you this one, which says, "Hey, you know that that auto aiming that we that's like so nice to have when you're playing with your controller or your mouse and keyboard? Yeah, what if we turn that off and you have to manually aim everything? It's abysmal." Yeah, that sounds bad yes uh, are there any like are there any niche builds that
2: somehow make use of this
1: i i have no idea I, okay. if somebody that's listening to this play that plays armor core uses manual aiming please tell me because i i don't know i'm i'm yeah. just at a loss no, so. i haven't
2: played armored core full disclosure it is, uh, or at least not armored
1: core six it was a fantastic game i really enjoyed it i i've done yeah i've done most everything in fact today they just released uh, the newest update uh the added ranked matchmaking for player versus player so that's cool actual ranked matchmaking in a FromSoft game instead that's of you cool. know getting ganked while you're trying to save a fallen kingdom
2: <laughs> yeah i i only ask because i know like in in like bloodborne especially because the camera was so janky sometimes it was actually better for you to unlock from the monster Mm. or a boss well so
1: like you've got like you've got that kind of function where you can lock on but you also have like uh your reticle like move towards an enemy Mm. uh, which is nice um so you have your lock on you have a hard lock and a soft lock and manual aiming turns off both of those so it's interesting okay yeah just bad there's a i don't know why from soft it. it's it's like it's like the shield in bloodborne yeah
2: (laughs) the challenge mode i mean it's like it's like giving up kuro's charm and sekiro it strictly makes the game harder
1: yeah so all right uh so our next award is the training wills award uh for best tutorial in a game and this was submitted to us by somebody else in our discord by the name of geek yogurt who we all adore and love And uh before I begin, I, I just got a text from the editor that says, uh, Super Liminal. Says uh, the whole game is amazing. Go play it. Pause the show and go play it. It's like three hours. So
2: I have not played so I take have the editor's word for it.
1: I've seen it. Uh I've seen trailers for Super Liminal. It looks neat. Uh it's very much like in the same uh vein as like a backrooms kind of game, I think. Oh, cool. So So uh, so my pick for best tutorial is Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, The opening island Sky Island in that game is fantastic at like teaching you and letting you like figure out how to do all your new toys and stuff like that, because, you know, as you know, and even in Breath of the Wild, the the starting plateau was really good. Like, I I think Nintendo got like a really figured out how to build like a great tutorial system. Uh, with both Breath of the wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Yes, yeah, so. I agree. Uh, what about you Michael? what was your uh, best tutorial for the year?
2: I have Street Fighter 6. Nice. Um, I think I think Street Fighter 6 and and maybe this stretches the limit of tutorial a little bit. Um, but I think Street Fighter 6 has some of the most robust learning tools that I've ever seen in a fighting game. Um, I mean, there's the intro tutorial itself, but then there's also just one of the best training modes that I've ever seen in a fighting game,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um, as well as world tour, which is, you know, like single player in fighting games. Like, yes, it's cool for the story, but I also think a lot of the benefit of a more fully realized single player mode in a fighting game is just the ability to practice in a more dynamic situation than just being in training mode, which can get boring for some people.
1: I, uh, um. I really so, yeah. ha- love how they like give you a lot a lot of information and they even like explain some stuff that's like really difficult to explain to like yeah. know, people like frame data yeah I, I i think street fighter 6 is just like going to be the gold standard of of quality of
2: life in fighting games moving forward stark contrast from something like mortal kombat 1 which launched uh in kind of an, an abysmal state um yeah. i mean you couldn't even you couldn't even what is it, map um, combos onto the screen like you typically can with Mortal Kombat games. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I think I think Street Fighter Six is probably going to be, like, one of the best games to point people towards. Like, if someone's like, hey, I want to learn how to play fighting games. Like, go. Yeah. There. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
2: like,
1: 100%. Like, granted, DNF and, like, Granblue kind of started the trend of, like, one-button super moves. Or like one button special moves in like a direction. The, the the modern controls in Street Fighter being able to just like I mean I guess even Dragon Ball Fighters kinda did that, right? Like
2: Yeah. Well Dragon Ball Fighters had auto combos. Yeah. Um, like, they were horribly unoptimal, but you know, you could I mean if you were somebody who really just cared about playing the game and wanted to press one button, they were usable.
1: Yeah. But like, you know, it's it's neat looking at fighting games and watching how they evolved to where we got to with Street Fighter 6 and Modern Controls.
2: Yeah,
1: I agree. So all right. And so our last little word of this first section before we move on to something else is uh the 2023 Cringeworthy Fanbase Award. Uh this was submitted to us by Faust. Uh so obviously there's a bargain involved. Um so yeah, and I think uh I think me and Michael yeah. pretty much agreed on this one. Yep. Uh we we went with Starfield. Yep. Cuz man Starfield fans are very adamant about this game.
2: Yeah, I'm just I'm like I'm just tired of people doing apologetics for Bethesda's game design in 2023. I was tired of it when Fallout 4 came out. I was tired of it when Skyrim got re-released for the millionth time so many times. i don't know what has changed over the past dec- actually i do know what has changed over the past decade and it's called dark souls
1: or um, know, just better game other better games right well i I, th- I think i i
2: would not undersell the way in which dark souls has really made tight responsive combat and meaningful like gameplay decisions in terms of challenges um Kind of just like you expect to see it in, in action-adventure games now. Yeah. Like, every game that came out after Dark Souls is pretty much cribbing from Dark Souls. And in retrospect, I have a hard time going back and playing Skyrim, I think, because of how my my tastes have changed in gaming. Like, it's hard for me to deal with the floaty, unresponsive combat that is sometimes lethally random if the enemy hits a crit on you um, or, you know, staggers.
1: Yeah, and I yeah. I just I got t- I I played Skyrim for so long and then I just kind of moved away from it. Like I don't know, I I don't I lost interest in open world like large open world games a long time ago. Yeah, same. But, uh,
2: but you know you can still do large open worlds that have meaningful content like Red Dead Redemption Two, phenomenal.
1: I mean, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are right the same. But like th- those games are a I feel like those two games kind of redefined how to approach the idea of open world. Yeah, I think that's fair. And Elden Ring was kind of the same way. Like Elden Ring was in the same vein. Like right. here's here's this open world of like you you just stumble onto sh- shit, but it, like it I don't no it was like more organic as to where like yeah. there was a point in Skyrim where I was like literally just running towards markers all the time.
2: Yeah. Um, Starfield, I mean, you spend a lot of time running towards markers because sometimes you will land on a planet and you have to walk for a literal, like, you know, 10 minutes, 10 real-life minutes sometimes to get to a marker. Yeah. Through an open wasteland full of nothing. Huh. Like, at least in Skyrim, you know, like, there's the scenery, you're walking through trees, maybe you run into a mud crab, you know, there's some cool rivers, you gotta climb a mountain. Starfield is like,
1: if, if an AI...
2: <laughs> was asked to make a Bethesda game.
1: It sounds like how uh, No Man's Sky started, right? Yeah, I mean, I
2: it's it's insane to me. I mean, even when they during the rollout for Starfield and Todd Howard was getting up on stage and bragging about how the game had over one thousand visible planets, and everyone was like, "Ooh, wow, that's crazy!" And I'm like, "Do none of you guys remember No Man's Sky?" Do none of you remember being told about 17 quintillion planets and then how that game turned out on release?
1: Yeah, I bought into that one and man, did I pay for that one?
2: But it's a genuinely great game now.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely an interesting story to look at. And now what they the Game Awards, they announced their new game, uh, Light No Fire.
2: Um, Yeah, that seems very cool. I like the fantasy setting and I think I'm, I'm interested to see.
1: What I, they've, um, I hope done. they, yeah, they've learned their lessons like from, uh, No Man's Sky.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely be playing it.
1: Um, I have another message from our editor here. Uh, it says, I feel like, I, like the only human being in the world that doesn't want to fuck Astron,
2: Asterian, Baldur's Gate <laughs> 3 again. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you know. If you've, again, if you've been in the same internet circles that I have and you know anything about what people are saying about Baldur's Gate 3, people are going absolutely feral for Astarion. Okay, so who is who's that? <laughs> he's a, a flamboyant, white-haired elf vampire. Oh, that guy.
1: He's on the yeah. box
2: art. <laughs> he he um His uh, voice actor, uh, Neil...
1: Oh, yeah, he won the award for Best yeah, Voice Actor. Yeah, he's a newborn.
2: Yeah, he just won uh, Best Performance at the Game Awards.
1: Nice. Okay.
2: Yeah, cool. he's an exceptionally good character. In fact, I think one of my my um, choices later um, has to deal with Hysterion as well in this uh, award show. So,
1: All right. so we're going to take a little bit of a break on talking about awards. And now we're going to talk about some of the bigger news that happened this year in terms of like games, uh, in terms of gaming. So uh, I guess some of the bigger ones, uh, well, the very beginning of the year, we started off with Stadia shutting down. Uh... which i mean i think nobody was really surprised
2: (laughs) nobody's surprised i do think you know i do think it's a good idea i just think maybe the tech is not there yet but i think some other like i think nvidia is trying to step in already with some kind of game streaming service Uh, i think we'll be there in a couple of years
1: samsung has announced a partnership with google so and that they're going to try and try it again essentially cool so um the opening of super nintendo world which i will probably never get a chance to visit
2: <laughs> yeah i've seen like pictures of food and stuff looks cool
1: uh other kind of big news apple is entering the vr market with the apple vision pro which was announced which I so what, do we
2: know the price point
1: oh no uh we just know it's a thing have you seen what it looks like no uh let me pull it up for Apple. You. Uh, it is apple vision pro it's a thing
2: <laughs> huh yeah. Interesting. Somebody looks like you can go snorkeling.
1: Yeah, I just there you go. It,
2: the snorkel mask. Yeah,
1: it is. It is very strange looking. Um, I will be curious to see how Apple approaches this because, like, in terms of gaming, Apple doesn't really do gaming. Yeah. So. Oh, it's
2: thirty five hundred dollars. That's uh, great.
1: Oh. Awesome. Shit that might change one of my awards now <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah i don't know i'm like a vr uh i already spend so much money like making sure my computer can play the games that i want to play mm-hmm. until vr headsets are like two hundred dollars or less i feel like it's just going to be something that is not really for me
1: yeah um uh charles Martinez is officially retiring as mario the voice of mario
2: yeah it's a shame but you know it's got to happen at some point i guess
1: uh the new person in mario brothers wander like i mean i can tell you like you know that i can like people are like it's so funny like hearing people like oh i can tell the inflections and the changes in this like are you can you really because like yeah i don't know
2: <laughs> like go touch grass or something maybe
1: like <laughs> yeah um I guess one of the bigger ones from this year was Unity shitting the bed. <laughs> yeah,
2: that was all over my feet at one point.
1: Yeah, um, I guess so. For folks that don't know, um, Unity is a—I guess they're a developer, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: well, it's a game engine, right? They have a yeah online popular game engine that a lot of um
1: a lot of indie games. games. Use. Yep. Uh, so you know, if if you don't really know a whole lot, like yeah, Unity builds a lot of like. A lot of like mobile games, a lot of indie games are developed on Unity because it's very easy to like learn. Uh, in fact, if you're looking for something kind of neat to learn about uh, Unity, go check out uh, the YouTube channel Game Makers Toolkit. He's doing like a series called Developing where he's making his own game and he talks a lot about Unity. Also, that channel is just awesome and go support him. <laughs> I like Bart Brown. Uh, no, he doesn't support. <laughs> we don't get kickbacks from this. Uh, but like so unity decided they wanted to what was it change what they were going to charge on games starting at the beginning of next year. Like because they, yeah,
2: they wanted more money, right? Basically
1: they were going to yeah. they charge people more uh, if your game sold like so many thousand. And at first I thought it was going to be like retroactive and then that got shot down and then tons of developers were like, well, we're going to stop developing in Unity and we're going to go to another uh, another platform now. And then Unity was like, well, if you're developing your game in Unity right now, we won't do anything about it. We'll just let you go about your business. And people were still like, no, this is still bullshit. <laughs> and so yeah. now I think at this point, Unity has completely like backed away from this whole thing. Good. but i think their reputation is like severely damaged though yeah and i think people are using a like are already like looking at new uh platforms because yeah. i know megacrit the people who made slay the spire announced that they have now abandoned unity completely on their new project that they're working on
2: that's good yeah so. i mean it reminds me of um what is it when Wizards of the Coast like tried to uh, do all of their stuff as far as like the open games licensing, like you know, uh, Oh yeah, trying, about that. trying to monetize, yeah, um, and you know, other publishers that were taking advantage of the fact that D D's rules were open source, like Paizo with um, Pathfinder, yeah. uh, actually just went ahead, and even though even though Wizards of the Coast rolled back like the nonsense that they were trying to do as far as the uh, the game systems licensing was going, mm-hmm. um, Paizo still committed to fully just like um divorcing their game like pathfinder from uh the dnd basic rules which you know so pathfinder second edition now is kind of its fully owned standalone thing and it's really good
1: yeah so. yeah they people, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with wizards of the coast right now uh i think it yeah. was just this week they laid off 20 percent of their people
2: I think Larian actually said that most of the wizards of the coast people that they worked with making Baldur's Gate three are just gone.
1: Yeah. And I, which is crazy. I was reading about it today where it was like, even though Hasbro has made so much money this year between the success of the D and D movie, the success of Baldur's Gate three, uh, D and D as a whole, just having this huge resurgence and just being this like cultural phenomenon again, uh, they're still like, well, we've, we've ran into some headwinds. And so we're going to, we're going to cut 20% of our staff to save money. And I'm just like, I, I guess yep. like the, 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 mind platform in my head is, you know, you can just take a pay cut. Right.
2: Right. They're cutting staff. They're reducing, they're releasing more books every year and they've raised prices. Meanwhile, I think the quality of the books in some cases has actually gone down, mm-hmm. um, which is something that fans have been taking notice of.
1: Well, and uh, Um, look at just look at the state of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, Uh, I I played that game since I was in sixth grade, and it's to the point now where there's so much product getting released. Yeah,
2: so many crossovers like Commander crossovers. Yeah, it was like Fallout Doctor Who.
1: It's getting ridiculous. There was the Jurassic and there was like a scandal with the Jurassic Park one. like one of the cards like wound up being just like really terrible on release, like in terms of like just the production quality uh amazing cards aren't being tested well like there's just that there's a whole mess and it's like i look at it and i'm like this is not the game that i enjoyed granted you know this happens when people get older but like i'm like i can point to, to like actual design stuff yep um
2: being monetized to death so
1: let's see uh microsoft officially acquired activision blizzard this year yeah that's a thing
2: <laughs> Microsoft has just like they fully realized that they lost, lost the console war like last generation and I think they've just fully committed themselves to just buying up major studios now so they can yeah have more exclusives like they did with Bethesda and now with Blizzard
1: <laughs> didn't work out too well for them with Starfield and Redfall though <laughs> yeah
2: well jokes on them they bought two just shitty companies yeah like i mean i guess i guess they get to make money right but like who cares like when was the last time i played a bethesda or a blizzard game and genuinely said wow this is
1: great well activision gives them access to call of duty and we all saw what happened with call of duty 3 this year yep <laughs> um oh and i guess uh, the last two other newer things was a uh, day before uh I, I know you wrote that on or you you yep. mentioned that i don't know a whole, whole lot about it
2: uh it, you know it's just a game that has been in production for a while that was basically a they they, they keep saying it's not a scam because they didn't take money from people to crowdfund it mm-hmm. um but the game was basically advertised using what amounts to just like a lot of fake like heavily scripted trailers for a game that basically was not real mm-hmm. it's like kind of like anthem almost you know it's like <laughs> <Anthem>. oh <God. laughs> the trailers that were shown for release on Anthem versus the final game is just like clearly not the same game yeah. uh, the day before has launched to some of the most critical backlash of any video game I've ever seen I think IGN gave it a 1 in their official review
1: and, and did um, the it, studio it, like close
2: yeah the studio closed the game lasted a whole 4 days on Steam before it was taken down and they're just giving full refunds to anybody who needs them wow um. so it's I mean you know it's uh, amazing the game itself is just awful
1: yeah huh. Uh. well yeah I guess uh, the other big news of the week and this one isn't really necessarily games related but we wanted to put it on here anyway so we could chime in on it was uh, Jonathan Majors found guilty <laughs> yes
2: on two out of four um, yeah uh, but, that counts. Uh, that's not been a fun story to watch this year <laughs> Yeah, I am personally just very upset that the MCU has fumbled one of my favorite comic book villains of all time. Uh, at this point, we're just going to get Doom. Yeah, well, I, th- I think I think the intention is still to recast Kang, at least for the Kang Dynasty, because the movie is called the Kang Dynasty. Yeah. Um, But, you know, for Secret Wars, they may pivot to Doom. Who knows? Right.
1: All right. Well, we've talked about a little bit of the gaming events that have gone on this year. And trust us, there is... Tons of other stuff that we probably missed. <laughs> uh, and if we did, hey, drop us a line on it. We'd, we'll cover it some other time. Uh, but we got, f- some, uh, we got four more awards and a, a Lifetime Achievement Award to give out on our next one. Uh, so our next award is the I Gotta Punch His Face Award. And this award goes to the character who you most likely want to punch in the face uh so michael who do you uh really want to punch in the face
2: so i i picked um a character from baldur's gate 3
1: mm-hmm.
2: um a wizard by the name of laroa con uh-huh. um his name gets mentioned a couple of times throughout the story but he shows up as an npc in act three um and i just think his subquest, his side quest i mean thankfully you know if you're 90% of people you basically choose to fight and kill him anyway yeah but he presents to you one of I think the most evil things that you can do in the game um, he he's a smarmy just like you know wizard know-it-all prick who wants immortality and you can help him get it by basically kidnapping and enslaving um, one of your allies who helped you fight one of the major bosses of act 2 like you know, a couple of hours prior in the game. Uh, And the whole side quest just involves you tricking her into going and then getting her spouse killed. It's like, he's just an asshole. He's a big asshole and he's cocky and he's arrogant. And so it feels really good to kill him in game.
1: Nice. Um, My choice was kale from hi-fi rush. I want to send you this picture. So that way you can at least see what he looks like and know exactly why I want to punch him in the face. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like he fits the bill. Uh, he's yeah. like, he's your typical last boss and he's just like super smart me like throughout the entire game. Uh, speaking of which that game high fire rush. That's another reason I wanted to be able to stick this in here because I wanted to be able to talk about that game. That game was awesome. Like I'm not much for character action games. Like I'm not really crazy about like Devil May Cry or uh, Bayonetta. Sure. Uh, this has never been like I like cup of tea, but uh, this game got like ninja dropped. Like out of nowhere by was it the same people who made Dead by Daylight or something else? No, I can't remember the name of the game they made. They'd made like horror games prior to this. And Interesting. this is a character action game, but it's also a rhythm game. So you have to like hit the enemies on the time and then they even got to use like licensed music in it. Yeah, Uh, uh, Evil Within, Evil Within. Ah, yeah, Evil Within. Like, the very first boss fight is set to Nine Inch Nails. Uh, That's
2: cool. That's really cool.
1: And, like, there's, like, a whole sequence where they're playing, like, the Prodigy and just tons of other... And the even better part was the developers created a mode in the settings for streaming. So, like, if you wanted to stream the game on Twitch, you could select a mode and they will play their original music that they wrote for the game. That's really cool. Yeah, like... And the art style is awesome. Uh, I did. I, I played the hell out of it. Like I just consumed it in like a couple of weeks and it was just so much fun. And it's one of those mm-hmm. games where it's like, it even won a game the game awards for like best sound design. Yeah. So oh, yeah, definitely. If you haven't played it, check it out. Um, so our next uh, little segment is, uh, actually a lifetime achievement award which is the Peter Weller lifetime achievement award for Peter Weller for Robocop rogue city and this was uh this was suggested to us by our friend Seth uh, and uh, we have uh, actually peter Weller has sent someone to accept this lifetime achievement award so we'll uh, let him take over <laughs>
0: Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jeremy. Ladies, gentlemen, greetings. I'm here not to serve the public trust or uphold the law, but to graciously accept the Lifetime Achievement Award on behalf of the man behind the mask, Peter Weller. Peter couldn't be here, probably off adventuring across the eighth dimension or just making lunch naked. Ah, who knows? Becoming RoboCop was no easy feat. Picture hours in a makeup chair or a wardrobe that makes Ron Perlman cry. Nothing to eat but rudimentary pace. Oh, and did I mention getting shot in the face? But let's talk more about Peter. He made being a cyborg cool for the first time since Lee Majors, the man who helped Bobby learn to fly. Star of stage and screen, and now star of the smash hit video game RoboCop Rogue City. What can't he do? Dead or alive, you're coming with me? Who else can make that line sound like a Tinder pickup? I'm sorry about my jokes. They were written by AI. Peter, if you're catching this from your futuristic man cave, you're a legend. Your work has left a mark on the circuits of cinema, sci-fi, and criminals' nightmares everywhere. In conclusion, thanks to the Academy, the fans, and to the podcast, thank you, and remember, crime doesn't pay, but residuals do.
1: Okay, (laughs) so yeah, Uh, so the next up is the the my mom walked in on me award. (laughs) This was submitted by a friend uh, named Tackett. Uh, So my pick for my mom walked in on me award would be Lethal Company because there's a lot of funny shit that you people will say. Like I I love the meme of. uh, people in playing Lethal Company turn into five star voice actors, yeah, like when they're dying. It's just like I think I saw one where I, I in fact, I, I suddenly I remember us playing from the other night where we landed on a planet in the eclipse and there was a giant out, and all I could hear was yeah. you screaming. <laughs> and I was just
2: like, that was that was. Just the most fucked run that we've ever had.
1: <laughs> just the organicness of just like, oh, there it goes. Bye, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know. Um, so, yeah. So so, what would be your choice for the My Mom Walked In On Me Award?
2: Gotta be Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the fatalities are really good this time around. Um, mm-hmm. The fatal blows are also really good. Realm. I mean, from a from an aesthetics perspective yeah nrs always knocks it out of the park and you know this one is no exception uh the fatalities are really good okay Uh, when they're not when they're not expensive like seasonal fatalities yeah i heard about that (laughs) yeah they're cool they're just like too like i don't know why i would ever pay that much money for a fatality
1: yeah um so i guess that uh puts us to our next award which would be the room award which is based on the movie the room which would be a uh, best worst game uh, so what you got michael
2: yeah so i have a game that um if if anyone listening right now knows about this game chances are you forgot that it came out this year mm-hmm. um and that is um behavior digital's newest game uh meet your maker so uh the devs that made dead by daylight um, have tried a couple of times to diversify their, I guess, library. Uh, we had Death, Death Garden, Blood Harvest, Blood Garden, Death Harvest. I don't even remember what, what? it was called. It was another asymmetrical multiplayer game. It's a crazy name. Uh, another asymmetrical multiplayer game that came out a couple of years ago. That game failed. Yeah. And so they said, okay, this time we're gonna we're gonna do something different. That's not just another asymmetrical multiplayer game like Dead by Daylight is. And they made Meet Your Maker, which advertised itself in a pretty promising way at first as basically like a Doom meets Mario Maker kind of deal where players can build bases uh, that make these like first person shooters slash parkour trap levels. Uh, and then people can find other people's bases and they can play through them and they can try and beat them. And it's very challenging. Um, unfortunately, the way the game is designed just created some very fundamental problems as far as, like, you were actively incentivized to make things stupidly unfair Yeah. rather than actually, like, fun for the people raiding your base. Uh, and also, the game just became too easy if you were playing co-op uh, or had higher level equipment. I played the open beta and i i remembered having fun with the open beta which is why i picked this for best worst game because i genuinely think it was a fun game i just think that the game did not have the right stuff to incentivize coming back to it over and over and over again it doesn't have the longevity or the staying power that it needs um, and so that's my best worst game
1: gotcha uh for my best worst game I actually picked one that I played for a little while and then had to stop just because I kind of got tired of it. And that was counter-strike two. <laughs> Fair. I feel like counter-strike has gone through. Like, so I first played counter-strike with source and then there was like go. And then there was another one. I can't remember. And then there was all the gambling <laughs> and then it was like, Oh, a fresh counter-strike. I'm going to try this out. And I'm like, no, this is, this is the same thing. I mean, granted it still has its moments where I'm like, yeah, this is enjoyable but then it's like i don't care <laughs> so this one was a hard category for me because like there was like i i played like my amount of games i played if i played them i played a lot so yeah uh, That's hard. so our last of this group of five awards is the guy fieri award for best looking food in a video game and this was submitted to us by a person named big meat rudy so uh and my food came from tears of the kingdom uh, which was the prime meat and seafood fry which was very like if you if you look that look that up and just like stare at that image i would eat the hell out of that like it, it was very much like yeah guy fieri would ve- very much appreciate that uh Fair. How about you, Michael? What was your pick for the best looking food in a video game of this year?
2: So I I have cheated and I've just kind of picked like a whole game. But Uh I think that um, the food in this game just like really impressed me across the board because there were a lot of dishes that looked really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, and and chances are you haven't heard of this, but there is an MMO that I don't know if it fully released or if it went into early access um, this year. It's called... Palia, P A L I A. It's either Palia or Palia. Um, it is basically an MMO game that is kind of like a Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing style deal where you are playing online. You have a village you do gathering and crafting and you build your own house and people can come over and visit you and you do know, do all that kind of stuff. The cooking system in the game is among the best I've seen in a video game. As far as like all of the individual steps you have to do to actually make dishes. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and they just did a fantastic job. Not only, uh, designing the aesthetics of the food from like the little, uh, thumb, the thumbnail clip art whatever like pictures of the food but then also the 3d images of the food you can actually if you make food good enough you can get a gold star version of the food that you can actually put in your house as a decoration for people to see when they come in oh wow so in my house in the game my dining room table is you know covered in like fried rice and cakes and (laughs) pies and stuff like that nice um but it's also i think the experience of having to prep the individual ingredients also in my, it, it tricks my brain into thinking that I know what something tastes like and maybe that has a lot of value with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you make fried rice, you actually have to go to the prep table and you have to get your three cloves of garlic and you have to play a little mini game that allows you to cut the garlic and then you take it over to the stove top and you got to throw the garlic in the pan and let that cook while you go over and you prepare the rice. And in my brain, it's like, oh, my gosh, I know what this tastes like because I've cooked with garlic before. Yeah. Um, which to me, I don't know what it does, but it just like it does something to my brain.
1: OK. Um, while we're on the subject of like cooking and food, I have to give an honorable mention to this game, Venba. Uh, it came out recently. I had not had a chance to play it. It was nominated at the Game Awards, but I watched somebody play through the game. And it's like a game of... Uh, a game about cooking and like culture and where people come from and stuff. And it is very, very interesting. And I definitely want to play it at some point. <laughs> so yeah, it looks cool. Um, so yeah, that takes us to our next little break uh, where we're going to talk about some of our favorite movies and TV shows we watched this year. Uh, so Michael, watch anything. What are what are some of your standout movie and TV shows that you watched this year that uh, you'd like to bring up?
2: Yeah. Yeah i spent this year catching up on on some things that i fell behind on um but i will say right away like off the top of my head invincible season two Mm -hmm. um i i think it was at the start of the year um actually finished reading the entire run of the invincible comic series Um, and it's phenomenal i mean by the end it, it gets really good yeah um and so i have a soft spot for the tv series i think the invincible show is doing very good um making some changes to the source material that make sense from a pacing perspective but also i think thematically just make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. um i caught up on the boys uh and gen v came out this year and i think gen v is some of the best material that has been put forward in in the boys tv show universe uh so i really enjoyed that Um, Castlevania Nocturne I really Uh, liked yeah that show was amazing yeah I know some people are frustrated because they think it's like woke or something but like you know whatever I mean Castlevania to me has never really had that incredible of a story it's usually some variation of Dracula is back we must kill him again
1: I have to say Um, the uh without spoiling it the the final shot of that show is so good (laughs)
2: Yeah, the, the finale. I mean, I really, I didn't realize until the end, and but I kind of, in retrospect, I was like, this is dark compared to the first three or mm-hmm. the first uh, four seasons. Yeah, but I like it a lot, and I think it makes for a very powerful finale that, to me, rivals, you know, some of the best moments in the original show. Yeah. Um And I, I don't know. Did the dungeon, the Dungeons and Dragons movie came out this year? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it did. I enjoyed I was really it. Really good yeah i really liked that movie uh there was Um, that there was the other big bigger ones this year with like barbie and oppenheimer uh yeah barbie and oppenheimer were both good across the spider verse yep uh uh the like my pick for probably as as much as i love across the spider verse and that movie was amazing uh godzilla minus one has just been so good i figured you'd say that yeah the movie is amazing i loved it um I watched uh, season two of the bear or it was awesome. Oh yeah. Like yeah. so good, man. That show fucking hits hard <laughs> and doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, we I started found- started watching beef. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm like four episodes into it. I think it's really good. Um, I haven't finished it, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. A lot of people who recommended the bear.
1: Yeah. I had a lot of people also tell me about uh, blue eyed samurai and Pluto but I don't have Netflix. So at some point I will get around to watching these. Sure. Uh, let's see. The Captain Laserhawk came out this year. Yep. <laughs> Which that one was. Man, that's just weird. <laughs> there was the Last of Us TV show. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I tw- Twisted Metal. I watched that. That show actually wound up being a lot of fun.
2: I was surprised. I mean, I thought the trailers for it looked horrible. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually surprised to hear that it was good.
1: Uh, I did watch the super Mario brothers movie. Sure. Um, and it, and it was like, I enjoyed it. Like, I was like, this is a kid's film. Like I very much understand. Like I, I don't expect any more out of it. At all. Like, so I thought some of the casting, uh, I watched the new turtles movie, uh, the animation in that sure. is fantastic. The yeah. animation as a whole of non Disney Pixar things this year has been like phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so and then uh I'm currently watching I've only watched the first three episodes of it, but I posted it and I think it would be interesting is uh that show devs. That show yeah, was, it looks interesting. Yeah, it's it's been weird, but it's been good. Uh yeah. and then, you know, anime stuff which just like Jujutsu Kites in season two, but I just kinda have Def- to remember. Bleach that. Bleach. Yeah. I, You're probably not watching it, but man, a bleach first. <laughs> I love bleach bleach is one of my guilty
2: pleasures as far as like, you know, just shonen anime is concerned it's you know it's like i'm i'll be the first to admit that it's not the best written show but like the hype factor for bleach to me is just unrivaled i mean like the aesthetics of the show are just so cool
1: yeah so it's it's been it was a despite you know us having the which i mean actually you know the good part of a, like you know there was the writer strike and the actor strike this year which was like i'm glad that that made its way through and they got a deal worked out that it was interesting to see its impact on American movies this year. Yeah. And how like, that's why like, it's crazy. Like it's fun. Like reading all these people just being like losing their minds about like minus one and like how well it's doing. And it's like, well, you know, Japan didn't have a writer's streak or an actor's strike, yep. So they had a chance to like to capture something. Plus that movie's just incredibly well, like ugh, that movie's so good. Yeah. Uh, and I know I haven't seen it yet, but uh, the new Miyazaki movies out too. Oh yeah, I've heard good things. So
2: uh, yeah, I spend a lot more of this year, um, even just like listening or watching, um, like D and D live plays, like uh, D twenty. I watch a lot of D twenty. So yeah, Ravening Warm.
1: All right, well, so we'll go back to our uh, awards where we have the next award on the list is the why just why award presented uh this was given to us by our friend porky uh and it seems as though i already have a message from our uh editor which says uh, all my life all i ever wanted was a game that made me feel like king kong bastards yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's amazing how like that the
2: king kong game was so bad um i just don't understand how a game like that gets released
1: I didn't like even know they heard, were making it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I didn't know they were making it until it came out, and I just heard how awful it was. Yeah. It's, I don't understand how games like that can get released in 2023. Like, do they just know that they're making a bad game, or do people just like lie to themselves and not know what video games are like, and so they just push it out?
1: Or it's a, you know, it can be a situation where it's like the devs only had like, they got this license, and then the turnaround time was like absurd. Right. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah I, I saw stills and then I watched like a couple of videos about it. It was like, what this is man, this looks like trash.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so yeah. Um,
2: what's so- crazy, though, somehow not the worst game of 2023. Yeah, uh, I I will make the case my my choice here the day before. Uh-huh. I already mentioned it earlier. I, I you know I'm not going to repeat too much about it. All I can say to our viewers is go watch some footage go like you know um, like Charlie Penguin Zero on YouTube he's done some very good coverage of it I think Donkey has a video on it mm-hmm. people have like a lot of content creators have been jumping on this bandwagon already go watch a video it's bad yeah it's really just unexcusably bad
1: <laughs> yeah so you know that that's my choice was Gollum and yeah, that valid. game came out in the middle of the summer and I remember when they first like announced it, and they're like, it's a stealth game. And I was like, OK, um, I like stealth games. Cool. Like, it's it's Gollum. Sure, that's yep. um, that's a premise.
2: I, <laughs> I just can't imagine, like, I don't think uh, there's not a single person alive. Who who watched or read the Lord of the Rings and thought, "Wow, I want to play like, as Gollum. It'd be, it'd be so cool if I could play as Gollum in a video game."
1: And then they the 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 uh, artistic choice they made for Gollum in this game was it was it was a choice. Yeah, I don't know if you have saw it or if you've seen what he looked like in that game, but it was too bad. bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those are our... Uh, we don't know why they were made. <laughs> They're just yeah. there. They're just there. Uh, so, our next two awards are kind of like a combo awards. Uh, they are submitted by the same person. Uh, friend Lauren uh, gave us the most badass side quest. Uh, and uh, what, what do you got, Michael?
2: I have... Another Baldur's Gate 3, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> going to show up at least a couple more times for me because man, I just love the game. trying to sweep Baldur's Gate 3 in our yeah. award show. Yeah, the Game Awards show. Or the Video Game Awards already did it. Um, Baldur's Gate 3, got to be the House of Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, the House of Hope, I guess, click away, you know, for spoilers or, or skip, you know, a yeah, skip later, forward.
1: <laughs>
2: there is a... a devil who shows up a couple of times throughout the game um, whose name is Raphael and he's kind of like a tertiary antagonist in the game he can be an ally for you but he can also end up being kind of one of the big bads that you have to fight later in the game Mm -hmm. Um, the house of hope involves basically um, infiltrating his sanctum in Avernus I think it is Um, and it's just an incredible uh quest that culminates in, I think the best boss fight in the game nice. that literally involves the voice actor for Raphael actually singing a song about himself to the, in the boss fight music. Oh, wow. And it, it's just like, it's amazing. It's just so cool. Nice. Um, and I think it's a high, a high point for the game.
1: Nice. Okay. Um, have, while you're explaining that the editor texts me again and says, Spider-Man two Howard trapped in a spider web of emotion. So I, I've sure. not played Spider-Man 2, but I assume it's got some really good side quest in it.
2: Yeah. And the writing, you know, unsurprisingly, oh, is, yeah. unsurprisingly is exceptional.
1: Uh I, uh, I saw today where was Insomniac got hacked uh, and all of the de- like a lot of the details for the Wolverine game got released. So yeah. And an X-Men game. Yeah. So and, you know, that sucks. Like, <laughs> I, yeah that that happened because, you know, they put this a lot of hard work and like efforts that they've put in to just like losing this information. And I saw where, like other studios are like come out and been like, hey, you know, this ain't cool. And they're like, they're obviously trying to find the people that, that performed the hack or whatever. So uh, yeah. my most badass side quest was uh, protecting the Strider, uh, which is an armor core six uh, mission. And so something kind of interesting in the armor core six does is you have to play the game three times to get the actual ending interesting so there's a there is a mission earlier in the game where you have to destroy the strider which is this giant mining thing that's like walking across Rubicon and they're like go take it out well in your new game plus mission you have to go back and like protect it and uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that because I can't say much more without spoiling some of the plot sure. uh go go play armor core six it's amazing uh so our, to follow this up, we have the most stress-inducing side quest. Uh, and uh, I'll go back to Armored Core 6, and that will be regaining control of the Xylem. Uh, this is another like later down the line, New Game Plus, plus mission for Armored Core 6, where you have to regain control of a giant ship, and there's a counting clock, and Lord, help me finding all of those things and evading all the enemies and then finding a boss at the end was stressful as hell <laughs> yeah so um so what What do you have uh for your i
2: also i also have a back-to-back pick here Um mm-hmm. uh, baldur's gate three again i was between two picks yeah. uh but i'm i'm deciding right now and i'm going to say kazador's palace um from baldur's gate three um a reference, you know, because uh, our, our editor mentioned asterion earlier in the editor's notes. Yeah. Um, this is kind of the culminating moment in one of your companions' side stories. Um, and I won't say much about it, except that it is a very difficult... Uh, story-wise, it's a very difficult mission to maneuver because you can seriously mess up in terms of, like, making the wrong choice Uh, in terms of what your companion wants Mm -hmm. and you can fully alienate him and cause him to like leave your party if you make the wrong choice Uh, and it's a very emotionally weighty moment where you have to kind of decide if you're gonna do what you think is the right thing for your companion who is now like your friend or even romance interest or or are you going to like let him make a decision that you know will be bad for him or do you step in or do you like just let him figure it out on his own it's a really stressful mission, not from a gameplay perspective. I don't think Casador is that difficult of a fight, but um, I think from a story perspective, you know, you really feel the weight of like, you know, hold on, let me save so I can reload, you know, in case I make the wrong decision, you know, if if you're that kind of gamer, which I admittedly am. So
1: yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, another message from our editor saying, uh, "Being an AEW fan and trying to play Fight Forever." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I understand that it was, you know, AEW is the other other wrestling brand that's on TV right now. And they finally put up their first game. And it's it, it was a good, good, good effort. It's got some problems, but, you know, so. uh, So our next award uh comes from uh, someone who we have frequently picked on on the show, and that is our friend, uh, Mr. Pickens, uh, yeah. He submitted one for the 2023 Empty Open World. Uh, I was on board with something different, but then the more we started talking about it, the more I was like, yeah, I, I think we could just unanimously agree that uh, Starfield is probably. It,
2: it's Starfield. And it's like, what what can we say about it that we didn't already say earlier? Yeah. I, I have seen enough clips of people just walking for 10 minutes to get to a marker. <laughs> Uh, I just, I just don't understand how anybody it's like, it's like Mass Effect, like one, like the Mako missions, if you had to do them on foot,
1: Ugh. just like not good, just not good. We're going to get some like, hate. <laughs> it's, it's coming. I want, if you're a Bethesda fan, I want you to hate on me. <laughs> we're just going to like, we're going to get like so many like negative comments, uh, yeah. and so our last award for this next little section is our the who's a good boy slash girl award for best pet in a game this year. Um, uh, Michael, what you got?
2: I got uh, my my final inclusion here from Baldur's Gate Three, and that's going to be Scratch.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he's a dog you can find early on in the game, and if you can speak with animals, you can. Uh, actually, I think you don't even need to be able to speak with animals, but I think, you know, you can you can convince him to basically join your party, and he comes to camp, and you can play catch with him. And nice. He's a nice dog. I will say, I will admit, I'm not proud of this. When I first played through Baldur's Gate 3, I was romancing Minthara, who is the uh, evil romance option that basically requires you to just, like, be an asshole through the entire game in order to fully raise... Um, You are standing with her. Uh And one of the choices you can make in Act 3 is actually to give Scratch back to a... um, a sort of, like, you know, group of um, postal workers that it's, like, heavily implied, like, (laughs) use him a lot and, like, abuse him. Yeah. And for my first playthrough, I had to. So here's my confession. Minthara wanted me to, so Mm -hmm. I had to give up Scratch. I feel bad about it, but I am picking him for my best boy, and I am just going to confess to all here that I... I did it for Minthara.
1: I did it for Minthara. <laughs> so all, all the Baldur's Gate fans are also going to start throwing some hate 2 you too, Gotcha.
2: Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: I went with Torgal from Final Fantasy 16 because uh, he is like a, a good boy. And also he's sort of a demigod. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I didn't actually play this game, but I watched uh, someone play through the entire game because Final Fantasy has begun this. Thing and it kind of happened with seven remake where they've shifted into character action. And yeah. as I kind of mentioned, I'm not really character action isn't really my like cup of tea, but I don't mind watching other people play them because I want to like watch for the story. And the story of 16 was wild and crazy at times, but uh, sure. Tor- Torgal is uh, Torgal is amazing and I would I would die for that dog. Uh, yeah, fair. <laughs> uh so our next award is uh the wait let's just say do we got so Oh, so all right so we're gonna take another bit of a break and uh now we're gonna talk about uh some of our favorite books that we read this year so michael i know you've probably read a lot of stuff this year so yeah i it's
2: weird because i had to like <laughs> i had to read quite a bit for my um my prospectus in my dissertation Mm -hmm. um on you know kind of surprising to me i think actually one of my favorite books that i read this year ended up being brian dearest the friendly orange glow yeah um which was that plato computer mainframe
1: uh book our 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 previous episode that just highlighted so much about a thing you didn't know about
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, guys, go read Go read Brian Deere's The Friendly Orange Glow. I mean, like, skip to part two. You can go to around page, like, 200 or so, and, and, like, you just get to the part where he starts talking about mainframe gaming. It is, I mean, for a guy who's effectively just a computer science nerd, one of the most entertainingly written books I've ever, uh, not uh, not that I've ever read, but in recent memory. I mean, it's just a very funny Seeing the back and forth of like these college professors trying to find ways to prevent these hackers and gaming nerds from getting into their labs and like stealing or not stealing their computers, but hogging up, you know, like um, time on these computers. Mm. It's a very funny um, book, surprisingly.
1: Yeah, I remember like
2: the friendly orange glow.
1: I remember after Um, after we did that episode, you like went and checked that book out that sent me a picture of it. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, Invincible. You know the Invincible comics. I really liked. I recommend them. I think you got to stick with it a little bit, but it' um, quite good. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I didn't do a lot of leisure reading this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I read Roadside Picnic this year, which I liked. Um, Arcadian Boris Strugatsky, like Soviet uh, science fiction novel. That sounds fun and then I started reading a manga series called Blame I
1: uh, have which heard was, of
2: that. It, the art is phenomenal I mean it's very cool you know like weird nihilistic cyberpunk uh, Geiger inspired kind of stuff
1: mm-hmm. hey. so yep yeah. uh, for me this year I uh, read I read like I've read three, four or five. I've read like three science fiction books this year, and I'm currently reading like a fancy book. Uh, I had two science fiction books that one of which I blew through in like 24 hours, which is very rare for me because I'm I'm not a quick reader. And it's uh, an author by the name of Blake Crouch. And the book was called Dark Matter. Hmm. Um, I can't say a whole lot uh, other than a man wakes up in a life that's not his own. that's cool. It gets really good, and then I went and read his the book before that, which was called Recursion. Then uh, that one took me a couple of days, but it was also equally as good. And it is a uh, it's a story in two different timelines of uh, a woman trying to solve uh, like Alzheimer Alzheimer's problem, and then uh, the a cop who's trying to figure out something called false memory syndrome, where people start having memories of lives that they've never lived. That so. sounds cool. And then uh, I read uh, the first book in the Annihilation or the Southern Reach Trilogy. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Yeah. And I made about halfway through the second book when uh, V.E. Schwab dropped the new book in the Darker Shade of Magic series. And so that's what I've been reading recently. Um, In terms of manga, I read something really hilarious this year called Rooster Fighter, uh, which is about a rooster that kills demons. Uh, Not really much else I can say outside of that. It's hilarious yeah. and wild. And I also started reading a uh, go, go loser ranger, uh, which is what if the power rangers was like the boys? That sounds cool. So, so yeah. Uh, that reminds me. That reminds me. I did read all of chainsaw man. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. Chainsaw man was very good. Yeah. Uh, I've read all of that. I've also been working my way through Vinland saga and uh, uh, Berserk. So yeah, cool. I have
2: not finished Berserk, but I do have, couple of volumes on my shelf that i have to keep reading
1: yeah my tbr pile is like very very big <laughs> sure i've got so many books that i need to like read and get through and such so yeah. um and there's just been like some really good comics throughout this year uh, i'm still reading stuff like something's killing the children and uh yeah i think a series there's, new, th- uh,
2: there's a new volume of saga
1: yeah isn't there i mean yeah. like soon mm-hmm. i i read that in single issues uh and then uh The series I think I'd introduced to uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead is finally finishing up. So, also equally great series. So yeah, uh, there's been a lot of good stuff this year. Cool. Uh, So yeah, so I guess that'll take us back to our awards. Uh, Our next five awards, uh, we've only got just a handful left. Uh, It will be the Surely You Don't Need the Money Award, which goes to the Thing in Games... That you had to purchase that was that that may be just way too frivolous um and for this i i picked the valve index still yeah because sure. dropping a thousand for just the index itself having the space to set it up and having a machine which you have to purchase to reasonably run these vr games is it's, that's just a lot of money <laughs> yeah Like I I guess that goes back to our like topic about like VR. So, right until it you know becomes
2: reasonable for
1: me, I would just rather
2: buy a new video game.
1: You know, it's like yeah, no kidding. So, what what do you got, Michael? So a mine it
2: comes from a very personal place. Yeah, Uh, and that is, you know, I'm not a console gamer. I want a PS5 at some point for the exclusives, but I waited for a very long time to get a PS4. Um, I really wanted to play Alan Wake 2 on release, and I could not because uh, up until recently, my desktop, my graphics card was an AMD Radeon RX 5700, Mm -hmm. which, frankly speaking, was just good enough for basically everything that I wanted to play. Uh, Until recently, because Alan Wake 2, I don't know if you've looked at the, like, minimum recommended specs for a PC to play Alan Wake 2. Minimum, the game asks for uh, an NVIDIA 2060 or a Radeon RX 6600. Oh I have never seen a game have such steep. Like I know it's two generations ago. I know we're on Nvidia like forty ninety stuff, right? We're in a, we're in the four thousand series. Yeah, but I've never seen a game with minimum requirements a twenty sixty. Wow. So for me, this award goes to the fact that I had to spend money on a thirty seventy ti to thankfully you know technically i didn't need this back could have gotten a 2060 yeah. but i had a friend who had a good deal on a on a 37 dti so i had uh, pay i paid like 300 bucks to play alan wake 2 basically
1: <laughs> um, i mean i understand that i i had to do that a couple of years ago for sekiro and i just like upgraded my computer just because i wanted to be able to play sekiro at 60 frames yep. per second
2: so. thankfully past me was smart and when i built my desktop i made sure to not skimp on power supply and um, Uh, CPU. So thankfully upgrading to the 3070T I did not bottleneck too hard. Yeah.
1: Alright, so I guess it takes us to our next one, which is the Enemy of the State Award. The game that you just can't get away from. As in, you just can't stop hearing about it, or you just can't get away from it, like mentally, anything. So uh, what what you got, Michael?
2: I'm cheating a little bit. Uh, and that I have a game that released actually December of twenty twenty two yeah, um but as tends to be the case with award shows, sometimes that makes it into the awards for the next year. Mm. Um, and that is a game that I uh, want to just like give a little bit of a content warning um if you if you are interested in searching or looking into this game and you haven't already heard about it, just understand that these games tend to have, I think an adult only rating, yeah. Um, my pick is Fear and Hunger 2 Termina. Um, and this is also a way for me to retroactively shout out Fear and Hunger 1 from 2018. Uh, it is a RPG maker, uh, role-playing game. Actually, some people would argue that it's not a role-playing game. It's more of an immersive sim. Yeah. Um, a dark fantasy made by one guy who was like a psychology PhD, uh, I think as a part of his dissertation work uh dark fantasy some of the most insane insanely fucked up shit i mean like if you've read berserk it's like if you made berserk into a game and you didn't censor any of it um (laughs) it is one of the most horrific games that i think i've ever seen it is also one of the most fascinatingly uncompromisingly cruel and difficult games that i've ever seen from a design perspective um, and I, my, it's dominated my YouTube algorithm. Super Eye
1: Patch Wolf has a really good, like, 48 minute video on Fear and Hunger 1. He even has, like, and, a playthrough on his other channel that's like, him just playing the game.
2: Yeah, he, he's been obsessed with the game. Pretty much everybody who learns about this game and goes down the rabbit hole ends up getting obsessed with the game. And I'm kind of in the early stages of that right now. Um, and Fear and Hunger 2 Termina... Uh, it just happens to be the most recent iteration, and arguably it's even better than the original. Um, it's just, it is, I just can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm giving it the award to it.
1: Uh, well, my Anime This Day award goes to Baldur's Gate 3 because I can't get away from it. Like, I see it here it everywhere. Like, everybody I know has played it or is playing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, I might get to this at some point. I've got so much other stuff I want to play, <laughs> but it's like it's so funny that you're like, I'm done with Baldur's Gate three and I'm like, well, I guess I got to pick up this mantle now.
2: <laughs> it's really good. it's uh, really good.
1: Our next award is the Burt Reynolds Award for best facial hair in a video game. Uh, And mine goes to JP from Street Fighter 6 because that man's got a nice, well-manicured, evil beard, and he just, you know... I I guess this is a good way to tip the hat, even though we didn't give him the drip award. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fair. So, yeah. Uh, JP, the the man who was a tax evader, was working for Shadow Lou, and then when Bison died, gained psycho powers. (laughs) So... And uh, so, so, who do you have? For uh, your I base, kept basically?
2: it plain and simple. I've got Alan Wake. Alan Wake, too. Yeah, his his beard's just great. He's just got a great beard. He's just got a great
1: beard. It's a great yeah. beard. I like it. <laughs> it's just. It is just.
2: Frankly, it is just a good beard.
1: Yeah. Uh. Well, running up into our next one as we hit these these ones pretty quickly is we have the Did we seriously need this remade award? Um, so what you have here, Michael?
2: Um. Long-time listeners of the show will will know this game and know that I've mentioned it many times at this point. Uh, but it's got to be, for me, the remake of Colossal Cave Adventure. Yeah. Uh, and, and I say this as somebody who, I mean, you know, I think it's cool that this thing exists, I guess, um, because it is a long-standing, uh, important you know, piece of video game history. Uh, I just think you should go play the original. I mean, it's freely available online. I don't think the game needs visuals to be good. In fact, I think it somewhat takes away from the experience, as I've kind of argued in past episodes about some of the benefits, actually, of lower uh, quality, you know, graphical representation. Um, I, You know, I just... Colossal Cave Adventure with graphics was not something that I think we needed. Yeah. Um, So, yeah.
1: Um... Mine was GoldenEye because they re-released it again, again. Like it's GoldenEye. Like yes, yeah. I get it, <laughs> but did we really need to ha- put it out again?
2: <laughs> I, you know what it is, is like I think people for some reason just don't
1: like the idea of playing
2: old video games, and I can't understand why.
1: Yeah, I just I don't I don't understand. I just I was just like I, when I saw that it was coming out again, I was like they re they made a big deal out of it. The first like when it got remade, and it's out again. I'm like, no, like I understand its, it's significance and its importance. Uh So
2: go play uh, GoldenEye. Like
1: yeah, just go go play GoldenEye. Uh,
2: go play Colossal Cave Adventure.
1: I've uh, I got a text from the uh, editor saying uh, stop remaking The Last of Us. Just stop it.
2: <laughs> I guess.
1: I mean that game has been remade a a couple of times now.
2: Well, they're they're remaking two now again. Yeah, or they're remastering two. I don't two doesn't need it. Two already two looks great. It plays great. It doesn't need an update.
1: Yeah, yeah, I understand his frustration on that one. Yeah. Um. So our 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 next game to end this next little chunk before we get to our last little bit sections is the game of the not year. So a game that we played this year that we really enjoyed that may not have come out this year. Um. For me. Surprising enough, uh, in February, I actually got myself a 3060. Uh, I nice. was able to get my computer upgraded and I finally played the base game of Cyberpunk all nice. the way through and really enjoyed it. Like, it's so good. Uh, I was very impressed. And then, of course, now apparently Phantom Liberty has completely like redone the entire system of the game and people are like, yeah. you might just need to start over again. I was like, but I just finished. it."
2: I know I haven't done it yet, but I've, I mean, I've been meaning to.
1: So uh I, I was just when the game first came out, I could play it. And then there was some update that caused the problem with my my previous computer like graphics card. And I just it struggled. And I was like, like, I really want to be able to play this game, but I want to be able to play it without any problems. So right.
2: And I had a ton of crashing issues when I, first, I I powered through it when it first came out and I just, you know, it was crashing all the time. Yeah. Um it but is. Even then, even even then, the story writing is just that. The writing's incredible.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed like some of the side missions and just like, yeah. I actually took time and went and did like every little thing I could, and it yep. is, it Thanks. was, I was really happy with it. So, what are you? Uh, what was your game of the not year? <laughs> My game of the not year, and I think
2: I've mentioned fear and hunger, and so now I think I'm fully just establishing myself as someone who enjoys weird. Punishing, like, you know, misanthropic Eastern European games. Mm -hmm. Um, Gotta be Pathologic, specifically Pathologic HD for me. I know Pathologic 2 is out, and I know it's technically, arguably, an improvement on the game in every single way, if you are content with playing the one perspective, which is the um, the higher specs. I... Again, you like Pathologic consumed my mind for a couple of weeks after playing it. Similar to Signalis, which, by the way, I can you know—I don't have it as an award here. Go play Signalis if you haven't. Um, but Pathologic—it it has to be one of the most stressful game experiences I've ever had. Um, but it also is one of the smartest video games that I've ever played, um, and and really does a lot of very interesting meta-reflective work on you know whether or not video games are even a medium that actually allows you to make meaningful choices or if you're still kind of just like performing a script that has been written out for you. Yeah. Um it is just such a experience. It's the best game that I would not recommend to anybody, which is also <laughs> how I would describe Fear and Hunger. Right. <laughs> um again, Pathologic, if you if you're curious, go watch H Bomber guys video essay on it and then you can decide if you want to play it. Um, but just understand that it is an ordeal. Gotcha. All
1: right. So we're going to take one last little break here and we're going to talk about, um, so this year, um, as always, some things and people kind of end or pass away. And, uh, this year really had a, a few, um, Brandon O'Brien, the voice of Crash Bandicoot passed away, um, we obviously mentioned it earlier. Stadia has also left us <laughs> yep. as of what is it yesterday? The voice actor for Max Payne died.
2: I know. Crazy. And uh, um, he, he was also the voice actor for Alex Casey in um, uh, Alan Wake 2.
1: Wow. And uh, then the, the biggest one, the, the, the saddest one that no one really saw coming is E3 is officially dead. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Not that anyone needed video game
2: awards is just winter E3, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, and they do summer games fest too. Like Jeff Keighley yeah. has just kind of like shoved himself into all of this. Yeah. Not not to mention ever since Nintendo started doing Nintendo Directs, everybody's just kind of started copying that now. Yep. Yeah. Like everybody and their mother just is like, oh, you know what? We're gonna have a direct. <laughs> right. We so, don't need E3. So yeah. So uh that was kind of our little brief uh in memory of section rest in peace E3. Yep. (laughs) And, uh, so this brings us to our final two awards and then, uh, we'll do a little bit of a wrap up and then, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, our next award is the most anticipated game of 2024. So Michael, what do you have?
2: So this is a game that for me is probably my most anticipated game of next year. Um, I am also cautious about saying this is my um, most anticipated game of the year because I also think there's been some very weird things about how the the details of it have been rolling out. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. I am a huge fan of the original game. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually replayed it over the summer this year. It holds up really well, especially with the fan-made patch. It's just a very good RPG slash immersive sim that I would recommend to anybody who enjoys, you know, good uh, dark fantasy role playing games. I think Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 could be really good. I mean, there is some a lot of I, I like the setting a lot. Yeah, and I think that the Chinese Room is a very interesting developer for Paradox to have chosen. I was very sad when the original game got canned because I really thought the initial gameplay reveal looked very promising. Mm-hmm. The new game, by all accounts, the, the the combat seems to be better from the brief snippets that we've gotten, but I'm also concerned about some of like the story directions that they've taken it. Yeah, um, I am gonna just like be keeping an eye on this one i really hope it's good and i think it i think it really could be but who knows
1: um i got a note from our editor saying suicide squad kill the justice league because i love watching a good dumpster fire yeah so that, who that, knows how that one will end up it, it could be an interesting game um also you know i think that's the last game that kevin conroy voiced batman in yeah so uh, for me, I have Hyperlight Breaker. Um, I guess for folks who don't know, uh, there was a game from a company called Heart Machine called Hyperlight Drifter that was kind of like a Legend of Zelda esque sci fi thing that was very, very good. I played it a lot and really enjoyed it. I love the soundtrack, uh, the art design, the fact that it's almost like a personal message because the guy who founded the company actually has like a heart condition that like he has to take like so many like like drugs every day to stay alive um and then they made their sequel which was uh solar ash uh which i haven't played but have been wanting to but then they announced their newest game called hyper light and i think oclip has a video about the development of this game and it's I, at first I was just kind of like oh another hyperlight game that's gonna be awesome but then I watched it and found out what they're doing is originally the game was supposed to kind of be almost sort of roguelike in there were different biomes that were all procedurally generated and you could play it with friends and all this stuff and then about halfway through it they scrapped it and now it is it's still multiplayer but now instead of one individual biomes it is one big biome that's procedurally generated every time you play the game huh yeah like it looks fantastic and i am and it's 3d um so it's kind of like took a lot of their took a lot of the stuff they learned from solar ash to apply it into this game and uh yeah so if you, you get a chance go look it up Hyperlight breaker i've got it which listed on steam uh you should probably too. go and go watch the no uh Video. I'll uh, I'll probably include that in the notes for the episode, along with some of the other things that we've mentioned. So yeah, uh, so our final award is the best non video game game award, which was the a game that you've played. Uh, that is the video game that you could content. Like you would say you enjoyed this year. Um, our editor had a note on this one uh, it says uh, Will of Fortune. Vanna White is still a fox. Fair, valid. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, for me, I actually chose a card game that came out years ago that I still play to this day. And I the only reason I picked this was so I could plug this and inspire other people. It's a game called The Mind. Uh, it's a cooperative uh, card game for up to four players where you play numbers from 1 to 100 in sequential order without communicating at all. Uh, and you have to progress through levels so at level one everybody gets one card and at level two is two cards and if you're playing with two players you have to go through 12 levels and you have lives and if you lose all your lives the games ends i still play this game all the time uh me and my friends group love it uh i even have inspired other people to purchase this game and they've taken it into other friends groups so it's like 20 bucks you can find it at like target you can find it at, like barnes and noble anywhere like go buy this game play it it's so much fun So, so Michael, what do you have for your best non-video game game?
2: Uh, Again, I've kind of cheated with this category, and I've picked um, kind of a a franchise slash line of games. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, for me, uh, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me mention that I've been super into tabletop role-playing games over the past year or two.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And I think one of the biggest discoveries that I've made over the past year is that I love the World of Darkness games. Um, I was just talking about Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Um, I actually had the first uh, Vampire the Masquerade table that I was able to uh, GM for this year. And I love the game. Yeah. And there's been a lot of interesting things happening in that setting. I think the new edition, um, Werewolf the Apocalypse book just came out, which I also got. Um, actually, one of my friends got it for me for Christmas. So that was cool. And I'm about to start GMing a table for Changeling: The Dreaming, uh, the 20th anniversary version, the original World of Darkness version, not Changeling: The Lost from the Chronicles of Darkness. I also have that book. Um, I think Changeling is very cool. I just like everything about like the World of Darkness games. I, I think the the system mechanics are cool. The the freedom um, of you know, all, all of the opportunities and things that are open to you as far as players for constructing characters. Um, and I really like the story first kind of gameplay design that, um, the, um, I guess it's not onyx path or it's onyx path. Now it's not white wolf anymore. Yeah. Um, all of the books, you know, I think since the inception of the world of darkness at many places will say the story comes first, uh, if a rule is getting in the way of you telling an interesting story or it's stifling your players' fun or it's slowing things down at the table, simply ignore it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of people at, at tabletop role-playing game tables like just forget, you know, like, especially in D&D. I, a lot of people have been getting into D&D over the past year, and so many tables I've played at where I've not been the DM, and maybe this is me just being picky about how people DM, but sometimes, you know, you just got to be rule cool, and you just got to say, "Yeah, just got to flow uh, with that it. rule." Yeah, that rule sucks. You know, my player has asked me if they can do something with a bonus action that really should be an action, but it's cool. I'm going to say, "Go for it." Yeah, and uh, and, and the world I, of darkness games encourage that.
1: As a DM, I tend to fly by the seat of my pants, <laughs> like, yep. and that's the best way to make things work. So um all right so before like we wrap up wrap up i'm gonna kind of go through a little list here of like notable games that came out this year just to kind of like give shout outs to stuff anything that catches my uh, that we didn't maybe haven't discussed in any other episodes so um we had fire emblem engage came out this year uh i haven't played fire emblem a whole lot but i know a lot of people enjoy that monster hunter rise Uh, i
2: liked that one yeah
1: that kind of helps me lead into at some point this coming year we will be talking about Monster Hunter because apparently it'll be it's uh, 20th 5th or 30th anniversary and
2: wilds just got announced
1: yeah Uh, the Dead Space remake came out this year Uh, the pathless I heard was very good I haven't had a chance to actually play it Uh, Metroid Prime remastered just got randomly ninja dropped and everybody was excited about that Uh, there was the wonderful blunders of Hogwarts legacy and atomic heart (laughs) Yep. Uh, Resident Evil Village, uh, Blood Bowl 3.
2: Ugh.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as people who used to play Blood Bowl 2 a lot, uh, there was the Resident Evil 4 re- remake, which was also norm- nominated for yep. Game of the Year. Shout uh, out Adam Cookings, yeah, <laughs> hate, hate us more. <laughs> uh, Terror Neil was a very interesting game that I actually played a little bit of. It was a neat, like, eco game. Uh, Dredge uh as a game i wanted to play if i haven't where you play as a person fishing in a kind of a uh, hp lovecraft I've
2: been, yeah i've been wanting to play it and i've heard it's really good uh
1: the murder of sonic the hedgehog <laughs> i need
2: to know more about this one i see you have it on the list i need to know more about this one
1: <laughs> it was a visual novel game that the sonic team put out <laughs> the sonic team so it's an official release i think so uh the murder
2: I, of Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: Yeah, I watched uh, Dan from Playframe play it, and I laughed my ass off. Oh my off. god! Yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. Uh, there was Hon-
2: overwhelmingly
1: positive reviews on Steam. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Uh, there was Honkai Star Rail from the same people who made Genshin Impact. Uh, uh, Monster Hunter Rise even had an, uh, had Sunbreaker this year. Uh, there was Jedi Survivor, which I believe our editor has played and said he didn't enjoy that much uh we did have Redfall. we mentioned that darkest dungeon 2 uh marvel's yep. midnight suns which i heard some pretty good things about
2: i heard it was very good yeah uh
1: here's a fun game that i watched some people play but i don't know if i could ever play it myself it's bread and fred it's a two-player co-op game where you play two pink ones trying to do a celeste style mountain climb huh. and it looks frustrating <laughs> there was diablo 4 uh and Dave the Diver, which is starting to get like, I, I've seen a lot about that game where you basically play a guy who goes and collects fish and then you have to run a sushi restaurant.
2: Yeah, I've heard really good things about um, the day about Dave the Diver. I've also heard some people like call to boycott it because I know that the devs are also connected to like some of the stuff going on with an online video game that got really popular called Dark and Darker. Oh, no, um, I don't need I I shouldn't try and recreate the drama here because i personally don't know enough about it but i've i've heard good things about dave the diver
1: yeah uh there was pikmin 4 which won an award at the game show for best strategy game i think uh remnant had a sequel remnant 2 yep um a bunch of the guys from the caging podcast know about this one but wrestle came out it was an rpg wrestling game uh, there was Blasphemous 2, which I was excited about, and I still haven't played yet. Uh, sea Damn. of Stars, which was also getting amazing reviews. Damn,
2: there are too many good games this year. RPGs also take forever to play. It's like
1: uh, Gumbrella was a game that I recently heard, uh, I, I'd, I'd been watching, and then finally the other day, uh, I think Patch Wolf put out his favorite things of 2023 and said, Gumbrella is Celeste with a gun. And I was like, all right, well, I'm sold. I'm <laughs> sold, yeah. Uh, Lies of P, uh, i've heard mixed things
2: uh i i mean i've heard some people say that it's on par with from soft games
1: okay uh there was so. mortal kombat 1 and we also mentioned uh, cyberpunk had their big expansion with phantom liberty yep. uh detective pikachu returns sure <laughs> uh obvious uh skull island the rise of kong Yep. I, I hear our editor screaming somewhere uh, Spider-Man 2 uh, Mario Brothers Wonder which I really enjoyed uh, Alan Wake 2 yep. uh, WarioWare Move It which we've plotted possibly making you play <laughs> Yep, I'm dumb uh, Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name uh, I've never played any of the Yakuza games but our friend Pickens has played the first five of them now
2: <laughs> yep I've heard they're really good. I I believe that I would love the Yakuza games if I played them. It's just another one of those things where RPGs take a lot of time. Like, you know, ask me if I've played Persona 5. I haven't. It's It's like 120 hours long. I'm sorry. I, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 also took me like 120 hours to play.
1: Uh, we also mentioned that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 came out, which I found out some crazy stuff about it the other day, which was uh, you have to download Modern Warfare 2 before you can download Modern Warfare 3. That's so stupid. Uh, and then uh, just this week, Grand Blue uh, Fantasy Versus Rises, which is getting amazing reviews. And then the the one game that's ate everybody's time up, uh, Lethal Company, which we've talked about pretty extensively. So, yep. so yeah. Join that. So yeah. Uh, so that's kind of our award show slash wrap-up of 2023 uh thank everybody for sticking with us for what is probably our longest episode ever yeah <laughs> um so uh tune in next time uh as we break into 2024 by talking about the 80s um yes. so uh we'll be continuing on into the into the new year uh we have a loose kind of roadmap out right now uh we know our history episodes will be centered around the 80s because there is a lot to talk about in the 80s yes um uh, february is our birthday month uh we both are february people uh, so we don't know what we're gonna do for our birthday episodes uh you might get two episodes you might get one episode who knows <laughs> uh april That'd will be, be, interesting, be yeah. april will be the one year anniversary of the instruction booklet uh so hopefully that will be a very exciting episode we'll have some big announcements for sure that we've been we've been quietly discussing amongst ourselves and <laughs> we're kind of excited um, and then as we make it in the new year we'll have other fun odds and ends uh, after our one year anniversary hopefully maybe we can actually start having guests on the show uh, I know we both have a list of people uh, you academically and me for like other walks of life that we would like to like have on the show because uh, we wanted y'all to like kind of get used to us for like a year before we started bringing like odd guests in. So and uh, but, yeah, hopefully everybody has a good Christmas and has a good New Year. Uh, so I guess before we wrap up real quick, uh, Michael, where can the folks find you online?
2: Uh, the same place as always. I'm on Instagram at the uh, mackerel underscore prawns. Okay. Uh, I probably I don't think I have Twitter anymore. I haven't logged in to check. I think I deleted it but I'm I'm gonna keep saying this at the end of every episode because I'm not going to check. Yeah, uh,
1: you can find me on uh, I have twitch.tv slash backwards hero where I stream games usually on Monday nights uh, I also have an Instagram and Facebook for my art account for pressartf4 uh, I'm also on another show whenever it comes back called Cajun Greatness uh, I think we're coming back at some point who knows uh, you can also find all of the instruction booklets uh, Facebook and their, and the Instagram and I think there's a Twitter on the, our link tree which is linktr.ee slash instruction booklet I also put some of our plugs on there. Uh, and also shout out to the AYCH channel for keeping us going. Uh, we're on the main AYCH channel. You can find it on for all you can hear podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, River. you get stuff. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. So we appreciate you sticking with us and listening. Go check out some of these awesome games and we'll try and include some links in our description. So, yeah, have a happy holidays and a new year. And I guess we'll talk to you all later.
2: Thanks, guys. See you next year.